Hello, and welcome to the show where we cast our favorite books into film. I'm Rachel. I'm Flo. And I'm Roxanne. And this is Typecast, brought to you by Rare Birds Book Club. This week, we're casting Queenie. By Candice Carty Williams. <laughs> it's not as funny when I'm recording the intro because I could just say it. Yeah. Like I'd have the power. Yeah. I have the power to just say it during the song. It's not as subversive when no. your own intro. <laughs> but also, Carty Williams is quite a hard name to say quickly. So, Queenie this week. Queenie so excited was about this a one. huge novel from 2019. You mm-hmm. almost certainly would have heard of it because... It was top of all the bestseller lists. It was getting, you know, nominated for awards left, right, and center. Everybody's yep. been raving about it. Nominated for the Costa Women's Prize and a bunch of like bookstore book of the years, like Foils mm-hmm. and Waterstones. Yeah, huge. Yep. And it was a uh, Rare Birds pick as well, wasn't it? It was. That was actually sort of the height of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Flops, are you doing the synopsis this week? I am. And I just like to say, this is actually quite a hard book to summarize because it's so much less I think about the plot and more about the character and who she is in the world that she lives in but I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it my best shot. Queenie charts the experiences of a young black British woman trying to get by and be happy in a world that so often seeks to tear her down. When we meet Queenie she's just gone on a break with her long-term boyfriend Tom and after moving out of their shared flat things start to spiral. Queenie hits the self-destruct button sleeping with an array of increasingly unpleasant men and shirking her duties at work. As things get worse and Queenie is forced to move in with her strict grandparents, childhood trauma resurfaces and Queenie unwillingly revisits her strained relationship with her mother. At rock bottom, she finally seeks help from a therapist, starts to listen to the advice of her loyal best friends, aka the Corgis, and begins to put her life back together. This new Queenie may still have hurdles to overcome, but she's older, wiser, and a hell of a lot tougher. Before we get into discussing Queenie the plot, I kind of want to speak about how it was represented in the media as because when I came across this book, in my head, I had that whole, this is the black Bridget Jones. And uh, upon reading it, it is <laughs> nothing like Bridget Jones. I was like, why was that comparison made? Yeah, it's really not. I think the comparison is there because it's, you know, both stories are a, a little bit about, like, it's just about kind of just about a woman and sort of, <laughs> na- yeah, it's just about a woman <laughs> navigating that sort of single life. But I think where the comparison doesn't work is that Bridget Jones isn't really a, like it's not political no. in any way, whereas no. Queenie is a much more political novel just by virtue of the fact that Queenie is a black woman. And so much of the novel is just about her having to sort of suffer these kind of microaggressions just constantly. Mm. I actually was thinking about this and I thought that I, I don't think Queenie is the black Bridget Jones, but Bridget Jones could be Queenie with white privilege. <laughs> Um, Yeah, that's pretty apt, actually, because I think that the key difference is that both of them do these kind of self-destructive things and they need to get their shit together. But the thing is that that's pretty much Bridget's only problem, Mm. whereas Queenie exists in this world where there are these institutional and societal hurdles that can't just be she can't overcome them herself. And So when we get to the end of the book, there's no tying things up with a neat bow because that those problems are still going to be there. It's just that she's gotten better at coping with them. 
a big part of the journey Queenie goes on is learning to recognize it as well. Even thinking about her relationship with Tom. When the novel opens and her and Tom have just gone on a break and the sort of the memories that she's reliving about him are very sort of happy memories. Mm. And your your first impression is like, oh, this is a this was a great relationship that has just kind of really sadly collapsed. But then as time goes on and Queenie is thinking about it more and learning about it more, she realizes that actually Tom and we come to realize as reader that Tom is actually kind of shit. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a horrible he's so boyfriend weak. and he he's really spineless and he always plays the victim and he never stands up for her. He really invalidates a lot of her very valid feelings and experiences both in their relationship and out in the world. Yeah. And it's and- like that that is a big part of the journey that happens in the novel is her herself realizing that she's being subject to all this kind of crappy stuff. I know. And yeah. that that the standards for being loved are just so low, you know, it's like, oh, he doesn't that he doesn't abuse her in the relationship is considered a loving relationship. And and I'm sure there are aspects of the relationship that are good, but he really has such a low bar. He's so basic. I think there's a lot going on here to do with how you treat people in relationships and how you can treat them differently dependent on the context because when it's just the two of them he's perfect but Mm. as soon as you put them you know in the context of his white family who are kind of racist towards her and saying these inappropriate things he just doesn't care enough to kind of stand up for her you know and then you have like these other men that she has these relationships with and they treat her very differently to how they would treat the other women in their lives and in different contexts you know I think there's actually a huge lack of empathy from all the men in this book, you know, starting with Tom. The first time you encounter Queenie, she she often talks about how she catastrophizes things. And then they had this big falling out about how she was catastrophizing this situation where she, quote unquote, ruins Tom's mother's birthday. But she's referred to by a racial epithet or like that one of his family members is using a really strong racial epithet within this scenario and it is just it's horrifying and Tom's like I'll just get over it and you're like what something I really liked about the novel and its treatment of the sort of men in her life is that you know the author really drives home the fact that the resolution for Queenie is not in a relationship mm. like it's not no. it's not in men it doesn't matter how many times she tries that even towards the end of the novel she's trying to date a little bit and she really does learn that the source of her self-esteem is not ever going to come from a relationship may i just say too the writing of these men is so good it's so good it feels so accurate because she comes across uh, like one after the other these horrible men and they're horrible in all sorts of different ways but it never feels like pain porn you know it never feels like it's overdone it's very very real I've got girlfriends that have met men like this I think they are sort of heightened to kind of Mm. drive home the point but at the same time yeah they do feel real and we've all we've all got friends who have had experiences like this and received those horrible messages and message with guys who seemed really nice and then like there's the twist where they reveal that actually (laughs) you know they're like a men's rights activist you know he's like well do we really need feminism there or the classic what about international men's day (laughs) which there is there actually is an international men's day you know as the book goes on these experiences she's having with these guys the only way she can make them seem even remotely acceptable she has to contort them so much and she really has to turn them almost into sort of punchlines for anyone to be able to swallow the story it's like when she's trying to tell her girlfriends about it unless she's like no no but it was funny it was yeah it was fun it was funny yeah she diminutizes it 
yeah, it's so appalling otherwise. It's really, it's quite hard to read that kind of physically abusive sexual relationship that she has. Like that's really, that was for me, was the really the roughest part of the book because she sort of just lets it happen to her and you just think, oh my God, get out of there. Why are you doing this? And then when the nurses say to her, look, this, this damage that you've been subject to, it looks like rape. And she's like, no, it was just, I just like, I just, I just like rough sex. That's what I like. You know, it was consensual god you know the gap between what queenie knows and what the reader knows is just so huge she has such a hard time of it so it is really nice as the novel starts to turn and she starts to kind of get a handle on a few difficult things in her life and she sees the therapist or the counselor and she's back home with her family and she's just getting better support and she's starting to undo these really destructive patterns yeah you don't quite get a happy ending in Queenie as such but you do really get the sense that she's on a more even path the last half for me was so good I got choked up multiple times but I also laughed out loud multiple times because her family is just so funny Cheske is so funny I think from the way we've been talking about it it has seemed like it's very serious and it has got really serious stuff in it but it's also tempered with this kind of joy and this lightness and this humor. And the characters are so vibrant, especially, you know, her grandparents and Cheske, Queenie, Cheske like the characters. They just, so funny. Yeah, they just <laughs> pop off the page. They're so realistic. They're so vibrant and lifelike and fun. You really, really love them all and root for them and yeah. want them to do well. Yeah. And, but, you know, they're real people as well. They are flawed, like her grandparents are really quite flawed, but. The book asks us to be so forgiving of all of these characters. I mean, apart from all the horrible men. But apart from (laughs) that, you know, it's very forgiving of all the characters, including Queenie, because Queenie is quite a frustrating character and you're just like, oh my God, get your shit together. (laughs) But we also just feel empathy for her the whole time. And I really like that element of it that, you know, these aren't perfect people, but we still root for them and we still want them to be okay and you know, we still love them. It definitely deserves its place on the Sunday Times bestseller list. Um, definitely worth reading if you haven't yet. I just want to say also that my favourite bit in the entire book is when uh, is when Chesky hits the horrible guy with her bag. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she just like comes running in and swipes at him. And I almost like punched the she air. Just, I was yeah. so delighted at that. <laughs> she just sort of appears out of nowhere. Yeah. Too, yeah. Which is brilliant. I mean, I loved... Cheske's story of her date that to me yes the date made me was laugh just... so much oh yeah Cheske working at the bank and like checking the bank balances <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she is definitely the light relief she's great yeah, she's great okay it's time for casting and we've got a few rules you've probably heard these before but just quickly I'll go through them again so the first rule is don't cast any daddies. So no deceased actors. What? Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um, the second rule is that they've got to be contemporary. So I don't want to see any Dame Judy Dentures as a 20-year-old woman or, you know, Dame Julie Andrews as a 20-year-old. You know, just just keep keep contemporary and then the last rule is that no like no rugby stars or music stars unless they have ambitions to cross over will smith totally legit well i mean (laughs) what yes that's such a bad example yeah he's (laughs) he's been an actor for years he was an actor was he an actor first yeah he kind of i think they both came at the same time no honestly is there anything please let's not get into this now (laughs) 
<laughs> Not again. Oh, okay. <laughs> Will Smith again. <laughs> okay, so the characters. Let's let's get into it. So Queenie is obviously we're going to obviously her. we're going to cast, probably Queenie, cast yeah. Queenie. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe we shouldn't. Maybe it'll just be you know a really avant-garde project. <laughs> Queenie yeah. is all of us. <laughs> okay, so Queenie and and there's a lot of descriptions of Queenie in the book, uh, but essentially she's she's supposed to be very beautiful, as size sixteen or something like that. Yeah, she's a size sixteen, and she's like you know voluptuous. She's got like big boobs and a big bum. You know, and I think that's quite important contrast to a lot of the women that she spends time with, you know. And also in the way the men sort of fetishized her, like, quote unquote, black curves, which is like, uh, you know, something that she's constantly being told. The corgis. Yeah, we've got to cast the corgis. So Cheske supposed to be like Jim Bod. (laughs) She's she's Ugandan. She's, uh, you know. And she's she's Queenie's age because they met at school. They were school friends. Yeah. So yeah, and she's so like twenty five, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and Cheska, or Cheske, sorry, is um supposed to be very beautiful too. Yeah, Queenie says she's like the most beautiful person she's ever seen, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. I'd say that it's so much more important for Cheske to just have Cheske energy rather than be like stunningly model beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Because she's so lively and charismatic. That and that is probably what makes her very beautiful well, yeah exactly and, and she's, she's also, also dressed to the nines she's always described you know turned yeah, out exactly. perfectly uh and then we've got the other two corgis are darcy who has who's white has blue eyes and then uh cassandra who's jewish and then she has like golden brown hair doesn't she yeah. And that's sort of all that's said about Cassandra. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looks-wise, I don't really have any specific types in mind for Darcy or Cassandra. Yeah, I would say across the board for these characters, I was looking for, I mean, I know we always are, the sort of spirit of the character much, much more yeah. than looks. And particularly with age, I found it extremely difficult to try and stick to the kind of around age 25 brief, just in general anyway. I kind of ended up settling on the feeling that a lot of what Queenie was going through and a lot of what her friends were going through are the experiences of women anywhere between the ages of 25 and 35. Yeah. So that was kind of what I used as a barometer in the end. I did end up casting slightly older, but my thoughts were, you know, they're in the sort of early stages of their careers. Their lives are just getting started for a lot of that. For a lot of us, that's most of our 20s and into our early and mid 30s. I also had to cast older. Um, but uh, what struck me also about the research, and it came as no surprise, is that there was a complete dearth of actresses that were above a size zero. <laughs> so, you know, I really, I really did try to look for, I don't know, more like interesting body shapes, but it's almost impossible which is very depressing I mean just look at like Bridget Jones Renee Zellweger having to like drink melted ice cream to put on weight so she could play you know like a size 12 or something I know I know and we're still there which is which is crazy I think the reality with you know with act particularly Hollywood actresses is that there sort of is a universal size which is very small and if you're anything other than that, you're like almost a character actor in the way you're like, oh, oh you're curvy and yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like it's like that, that becomes your a Melissa McCarthy type actress. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like that is part of her personality, her, her size. Yeah. You really have to look at TV for diversity, to be honest. And even then. And I do also think that, you know, if you're bigger, you're much more likely to be cast in a sort of comedic role 
Because mm. it's like, oh, look, you know, I'm I'm the jolly, silly one, you know, like Rebel Wilson or something, you know. Which is mad mm-hmm. because 16 isn't big. Like it isn't. I mean, I know that like there's the quote-unquote average size is 12 to 14, but 16 isn't big at all. So I don't know. It was – it annoyed me. <laughs> the research of this really annoyed me because, uh, you know, I knew it was going to be tougher because, you know, we were casting – quite a few black actresses and that already is you know across the board harder to find because there's less diversity in casting I think this would be easier if it was you know an American book because I do agreed think that, you know there are yeah. a lot more there's so much more diversity you know mm. over there so we're also going to talk about Tom presumably Tom's a good one to cast you know we can do him at the end because he is Queenie's ideal in that sense like that's who she's what she wants or what she thinks she wants is Tom he's a bit of a blank for me I have to say like I don't I didn't when I was reading it I didn't picture anyone in particular like he's a little bit of a Oh, I pictured someone. Well, you can't oh, say very clearly. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll say later. Okay, that's good because I totally phoned in my choice. Oh, really? I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought of a great Tom and I was so pleased with myself. So, yeah. Okay. Tom was a one and done for me, okay. as yeah, was exactly, Cassandra. Exactly. So, can I, do I have permission to cast Ted instead of Tom when you're? When you're casting Tom, yeah. sure. Yes. <laughs> okay, sure. good. Ted is Tweed Glasses, who is probably the villain of the well, one of the villains. There's too many villains, actually. You know, they're all competing for <laughs> worse. But I Tweed know. Glasses is the, is the most ridiculous and kind of cartoonish because he's such an idiot. And <laughs> what he does to her is just so unbelievably selfish and stupid. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to it. Okay, right. let's let's get down to it. Here we go. So who's going first this time? Hmm. I think things went pretty well when I went first. <laughs> yeah, of course you think that. <laughs> maybe we should shake it up. Flops, maybe you should maybe go I first. Should go. And then I'll go second. <laughs> right, you can go last again. <laughs> no, I, I'll go last. I haven't gone last in ages, so whatever, rather. All right. That's fine by me. Yeah, you go You go first because, as they say, um, first is the worst, second <laughs> is the best. So so I have two suggestions for Queenie. Um, the first one is Lolly Adafope, and I actually think that she would be perfect for this. So she's a comedian, a British comedian, but she's kind of made this transition into acting, and she's actually doing really well in the States at the moment. So she's in Shrill, and she was in that film, The Spy Who Dumped Me, um, oh, yeah, but I just think yeah. I think she has the right look for it and she's also really really funny and I would just think that because this is quite a serious book at times I think having like a really comic actress in the role would really help lift it she's she's a great choice yeah, yeah. she's she's so wonderful and shrill I haven't actually seen it but I've just like seen her do other things and I just feel she like she's plays in shrill she plays A.D. Bryant's roommate she she is a really great choice. I mean, aesthetically, yes, but actually I think her, her vibe right for it, which is the more important part for me. And I think she's like 29 as well. So I think she's a good age for it. She's very good at, at being kind of low-key, which I really yeah. think Queenie is. You know, when we meet her, she's though she's funny, she is essentially kind of a serious person. Like she she works in journalism. She wants to kind of be a serious journalist. She has real ambitions to sort of write about very political things over the course of her so at the heart of that character though she needs to be very funny and have a great sense of humor she also 
is quite serious in her principle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think that actress could do really well. I just also want to say that, that casting Lolly Adafopo is partly inspired by this thing I saw that she did on that show, The Last Leg, where she went on a bunch of dates with men that she wouldn't normally go on dates with. So she went on a date <laughs> with like a Tory counsellor, a male model. Oh and then she went on a date with Johnny from Love Island. Oh my and God. It is so funny. She's so funny and so kind of like secretly scathing of all of them. It's amazing. And I was just thinking, this is, I mean, this is just basically Queenie. She's just going on dates with horrible men. It's great. <laughs> And my second suggestion is Kirby Howe Baptiste, who is another English actress who has broken it in America. Um, she was in Killing Eve. She was in The Good Place. She was in Barry. And I think she's got a few more film and TV projects coming up. And she's like really gorgeous and also a very comedic actress and really kind of got a lovely, just really likable presence. She's got a really warm presence to her. And I think she'd be good. Although I still think Lolly Adafope is my number one choice. Very strong opening suggestion. Thank you. Would you still say that first is the worst, Rachel? (laughs) I guess we'll see. (laughs) Okay, you go. My kind of favorite for this role, Kush Jumbo. She's an actress from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. She plays a lawyer. She's really, really lovely. She's absolutely stunningly beautiful. She, I think, captures that more serious vein that Mm -hmm. was really important to me to try and find in Queenie. Um, but is also really, really sparky and really vibrant. But do you think she sort of projects a like a very together image? Maybe it's because I've seen her play a lawyer, and and she really does seem to have it all together. Whereas obviously Queenie, when we meet what her, Sam, is... would you say that you're typecasting there? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I am. Yeah, uh, it's it, but it's definitely not a bad choice, Chris Jumbo. What's your second suggestion? My second suggestion is a real up and comer. Oh, I love an up and <laughs> Her name is Pippa Bennett Warner. She's a British actress and she's been in things like Sick Note and the TV show Harlots and mm-hmm. also the Sky drama The Smoke. She's on like a lot of British TV dramas. I really like that actually. She's got a great face. I think I think that's strong. I haven't seen her in anything, but she definitely has, you know, a good look for it. My my first queenie is uh, Susan Wacoma. She's I, like Rach. I, I cast it a bit older. She was on my list. Yeah, she was the lead in Crazy Head. She played Raquel, and she was in Chewing Gum as Cynthia, which is you know the sister. Um, but she is just she's really funny, and she's just I don't know. She's got this really sort of bubbly energy, and she's so likable. Even when she's playing, even when, even when she's playing Cynthia in Chewing Gum. So, yeah, I like her. Yeah, I like her too. Yeah, that's a good, that's a that's a good shout. I mean, I had it on my list, so I'm happy to say that it's a good suggestion. <laughs> oh, good, good. I'm really pleased. I I thought of her and I was like, oh, I love her, and I think she she would be great in the role. And then the other one is Danielle Vitalis, and so she was in The Way Up as Poppy in the youngers as Louise and she's basically going to be in this new channel four comedy that's just been commissioned called lady parts and I've seen clips of it and she is absolutely hilarious and like the, the parts that I've seen um the previews and I just I think she would bring a really great energy to the role too I think she's going to be everywhere soon I really do <laughs> she's also in horrible histories <gasps> yeah yeah oh, yeah 
love it. Of horrible histories. It's the best, isn't it? Okay, so out of all the suggestions, I guess we like best Lolly. I, I, I do really love Lolly Adafope. Um, but uh, I, I do also think Danielle Vitalis might might be a good one. I think, I think actually we've done pretty well here. We've got, you know, it's an embarrassment of riches actually. So shall we move on to Cheske, fan favorite Cheske? Cheske is the one that everyone loves, I think. But, yeah. Uh, Cheske, like I would really love a novel for Cheske. <laughs> I think you can just see how she would translate the screen as well. Like she'd just be such a, an instant fan favorite character in this series or film whenever it might be okay so flow kick us off okay I, d- I found this quite hard because I had sort of options but none of them quite nailed it and I started with Michaela Cole um oh yeah it's obviously from chewing gum and she is incredible and yeah. she's so funny and so charismatic that I actually thought she might, she might be a bit of a scene stealer <laughs> you know she she's someone that you cast in a lead role and even though Cheske is a great character, I just felt maybe Michaela Cole is too big for this role. So then I went a little bit smaller and I was thinking Letitia Wright. And Letitia so Wright she- plays uh, Shuri in Black Panther. And she is mm. so wonderful in that and so charming. And that was that role is kind of the energy that I'm sort of seeing for Cheske. But those are my three choices and like none of them quite nailed it for me. So... Wait to hear mine. <laughs> you, you guys might have to sweep in and save the day. No problem. Okay. Uh, my choice is an actress called Lashana Lynch. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. Oh, yeah. So she is uh, from Starcrossed, and she's also in Captain Marvel. Yeah. She's going to be in the new James Bond film as well. I could definitely see her whacking what's-his-name with a handbag. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> She seems like she's got a bit of edge. No, I yeah, I like yeah. Lashana Lynch. I think that's a good shout. Okay, well, I I had one choice for Cheske, and I broke all the rules. <laughs> all the I broke all the rules. Oh God, she did. No, but oh. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I stopped it. I would cast Leanne from Love Island, who I think is <laughs> genuinely perfect. She is beautiful she's really funny she's Ugandan (laughs) and I was like oh my god as soon as I thought of her even though I knew I know she's she's not an actress I was like oh my god this is Leanne Leanne could totally play Jessica that's actually pretty good oh I miss Leanne Leanne was so great can can you imagine in Le Boutons and when she's like in my heels like when she's like clapping at the end I was like oh my gosh it's Leanne it's Leanne (laughs) (laughs) that's I, I I do quite like that actually she could play Cheske. I don't even think there would be much acting required. So I felt like I could get away with. And as well, because she's like so tiny, it would be like really funny seeing her like being really kind of swinging yeah. a handbag around. <laughs> yeah, facing exactly. down this. I know. Is it not perfect? Yeah. Is it not perfect? That is good. I mean, you're a rule breaker and you will henceforth be banned from the podcast, but it is a good suggestion. I hope it was worth it, Roxanne. I think it was. Unfortunately, we, yeah, we can't cast her, but great rogue suggestion. Hey, she probably has an agent now. You were the one who read the rules. You I know. read them out. Okay, so shall we, shall we move on to Darcy then? Yeah, I guess so. Darcy is a little bit almost kind of like vanilla like I feel like she could be played by sort of any number of yeah actresses because she's just she's just a very straightforward character Mm. in a lot of ways you know she's a she's a really kind conscientious really working really hard to stay woke (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. I, I actually found it hard to sort of in, get someone to inhabit Dar- Darcy actually because she was so vanilla. That's the thing though, isn't it? It's like if you get the right actress, she can bring a lot to that role and kind of shape it. And so my thinking was, you know, again, get a, get a comedian and so I was actually thinking Ashleen B. You know, her and Lolly Azafope together it would be such a good funny pairing and them kind of sitting in and gossiping and talking about men and stuff. Like it would just be so naturally yeah. funny. They are genuinely friends. They get along yeah. really well. So they ha- they definitely, the two of them have to have a lot of chemistry because that's like, they're, that's her work wife. I think just like the whole series is leaning into the comedy wherever possible. And I've also got my suggestion for Ted, who's like a real comic suggestion. So you'll see, you'll see. The other one I had for uh, Darcy was Laura Carmichael from Downton Abbey. Yeah, I actually That's see good. that far more. Yeah. yeah, I think that is really good, actually. What's yeah. their character's name in Downton? Is it uh, Edith? Isn't it Edith? It's, yeah. <laughs> Poor old Edith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's lovely. She's got a great, a really kind face. <laughs> Darcy throughout the book is in a really hot kind of terrible relationship you get hints of it but oh God, uh, yeah, she seems that. like she just seems like she's in a relationship with like a dad yeah, yeah exactly I you know what I kind of picture her first of all I picture his name as like Nigel yeah, yeah. it's well what, Simon is name? basically a Nigel isn't it yeah <laughs> and do you know who I kind of um picture him as is the um not the health secretary but the scientist guy who does a lot of the chris witty briefings for for coronavirus yeah <laughs> oh my god that's so weird <laughs> i mean that poor well then it's definitely laura carmichael because oh, that really gosh. follows edith's storyline in downtown abbey doesn't it that's what i pictured her like boyfriend as like older and difficult and but, she settled too soon with like a weird older guy that <laughs> she shouldn't be with. I think Laura Carmichael is a great choice. Yeah, that's good. That's a good choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mine is, I just have one again uh, and I don't feel that confident about it to be honest, but I just went with Felicity Jones. So um, I'm sure you probably know who Felicity Jones is, but she was the lead in Rogue One as Jin. And then she was Kim in Chalet Girl and Jane Hawking in The Theory of Everything. Uh, and she was also Catherine in Northanger Abbey. And the worst witch. Oh, yes, of course, obviously, yeah. yeah. And the worst witch, yes. Surely the, the worst, worst witch. witch is her most important role to date. <laughs> um, I just I just thought she had Darcy vibes, to be honest, because, you know, I think she's likable. And, you know, I, I guess I was thinking of Catherine in Northanger Abbey a bit. Shall we do a quick round for Cassandra? Yes, I've got such a good Cassandra, though. So I'm excited about this. Um. Lily Collins. Uh, it's, I'm going to struggle with that because I love Lily Collins. So, But I think she can do the, the uptight, moneyed, slightly neurotic thing. I think she could do that really well. I, I think she could as well. I, I, there is something almost too sweet about and that is definitely because of the role she gets given she always plays someone very sweet i mean i, I don't really care because <laughs> <laughs> sort of couldn't be bothered with this one <laughs> let's just end the podcast now yeah <laughs> i had to say a name and i said one so <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable um okay mine was um kaya scottelera that's good she's from she's from skin and she was in um pirates of the caribbean like the later pirates of the caribbean and she's married to the guy from The Choice, which is how we, oh as the God, podcast yeah. hosts, know her. Cassandra's like a little bit mean by nature. Yeah. She's, you know what I mean? And I think she could do that really well. And I also pictured Cassandra as like 
really straight back with really like long hair. Yeah, I think that's quite good. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what else she was in recently was that um, the Agatha Christie adaptation with Rufus Sewell. She played his wife in that and she was very good in that. It was that very kind of uptight, kind of just barely repressed rage and resentment. And she did that very mm. well. Um, do you, is that your only choice or do you have another one? No, that was the only one. To be honest, that to me, I was like, that's perfect. One and done. That, that, is, a re- <laughs> that is a really good choice. M- my choice. And I felt like I did this last week, but <laughs> I'm dipping back into the Harry Potter universe. Sorry, guys, but I thought I thought of this and I thought it was so perfect. Was is Jesse Cave who played Lavender Brown in Harry Potter? I thought would make a really good Cassandra. Nah, no, oh, no way, no, no. completely oh, wrong. No, I think that'd be good. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I just thought I just like thinking about like Lavender Brown when she gets really annoyed. That's not Cassandra to me, though. Cassandra's kind of like I think a little bit spoiled and also has yeah, really spoiled really exactly. spe- spe- it's like but also has really specific expectations about what her life is going to be like she is like mapping it out you know what I mean point by point whereas Lavender Brown or Jessie Cave like I don't she's more of a hippie more of a hippie and also kind of that slightly sort of like I don't know like Cassandra just seems very icy and composed mm. and I don't get that energy from Jessie Cave Oh, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, then, <laughs> then I would say probably my favorite is uh, Kaya Scudellaro. Kaya Scudellaro. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Quick fire round of any of the boys. I've got a Tom. I've got a Tom too. And then you've I've got, got a, a Ted. Ted. Right? And you've got a Ted. Okay. So do you <laughs> want to do a Ted? <laughs> Should we do Tom? Let's do Tom first. So Tom is the ex-boyfriend. So uh, Rox, do you want to tell us who you have? Sure. I had uh, Josh O'Connor, who plays Prince Charles in The Crown and Mr. Elton in The New Emma. I think he's too charming and funny. He's almost too big. Like mm. Tom is like a web developer, I, but he could be a good um, <laughs> Hugh. <laughs> what do you mean by that, right? I don't understand. Oh, you know what I mean. He's, he doesn't look like a computer dork. He, he kind of does. I absolutely does. think he looks like a computer dork. Think of him in Prince Charles. Think of him as Mr. Elton. You don't think that looks like a computer dork? There's no way that... I mean, Mr. Elton basically is. He's an old-timey computer dork. He's too He's too charming. Like, he's got kind of like rugby player ears. Like, his ears stick out a little. He looks like an athlete. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> Are you saying that you can judge someone's athletic ability by how much their ears stick out? Because that's wild. I'm just saying that's that's. <laughs> he looks like such a slight man. I like how you're like, no, he looks like a rugby player. Did you look at his ears? <laughs> I may be in the silent majority here, but I know there are I know there are listeners out there who are <laughs> nodding along right now, completely agreeing. With I think me. he's wrong. I think he's all wrong for Tom. I think you've really oh. dropped the ball there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to cast a big eared rugby player for Tom. Here's my choice. I think he has a very hateable face. which would be perfect for Tom (laughs) okay like it's like in some lights he could be cute but then as readers we look on him we're like oh you so um my choice is Joe Thomas from the Inbetweeners oh Oh, that's actually good that That is really good I won't lie it's vaguely attractive but he also can seem like such a wiener yeah he seems like he'd be like oh he's like a nice boy but actually nice means weak you know and kind of selfish 
no, yeah, that's I can perfect. See him playing that, uh, yeah. like an older yeah. version of Simon in the Inbetweeners. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 is that's inspired. That's, that's really, good, really yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Do, do I have to, to say Ted? a Tom, and do I get to say my Ted? No, no you, you just can go straight into Ted. Ted. Okay, so my choice for Ted. Again, I'm leaning into the comedy. Jamie Dimitriou. <laughs> I like that. But then I feel like I would feel sympathy for Jamie Dimitriou if he played Ted. And Ted is just horrible. I know, but he is a bit of a sort of pathetic character. And he writes her that letter and he's like, oh, please. Oh. And I feel like huh? he'd be good at that. Probably best known for Stathlet's Flats. Um, but he's also in Fleabag. He plays the the guy with the really big teeth. Just for like the tweed glasses guy is such a ridiculous cartoonish character that I just think Jamie Dimitri could have so much fun with it. Because it is kind of like, it, it's it's horrible, but it also is sort of funny, the situation that she finds herself in with him. Yeah, and he's like a unsympathetic like in, it's a similar character that he plays in Fleabag, except yeah, he's a maybe sympathetic that was, character as yeah. opposed to an unsympathetic one. I just, I just worry that he would be. I mean, I, I actually think that's a really good choice, but I'd just be, I worry that I'd be like, oh my god, it's Jamie Dimitri. I love him. <laughs> I don't mind that because it's like the, the thing about him as a character is like he really plays the persona of the nice guy. Like he's yeah. the guy who's like, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. I'm looking out for you. I'm on your side. Mm. And just, of course, isn't at all. That's just kind of a ploy. And I think he could also do it really well. Like there are all those bits where he kind of sees Queenie and he like looks terrified. And I feel like those moments would be really funny with Jamie Dimitri mm. doing that. And um, we had some really strong Queenie picks across the board, I think. But yeah, I mean, I think... I think your pick I think Lolly. Though, was probably the strongest. Lolly. Yeah. We never got better. I mean, I, I I do think the other two picks of mine were were, were good, like uh, Daniel Vitale. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> I know, obviously. I did think my picks were very good. But... I really agreed with myself. So I always agree with myself. <laughs> I've great taste. Okay, so Lolly Adafope and then for... Cheske. For Cheske, it's got to be Leanne. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's perfect. Maybe she has animations to cross over. It will not be Leanne. <laughs> you broke the rules and are disqualified. Oh, bye, guys, forever. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just as we're closing off uh, a note, um, we are looking to fill a vacancy. Um, we're looking for a new host of Typecast the podcast. Why are you so if mean you feel to you're me? right for the role, Leanne is perfect. Please email us at. Preferably, you would have a uh, Australian accent, um, but we would also settle for a New Zealand or possibly South African. Mm. Must have good attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Follow Vital, rules. Yes. Make good suggestions. Mm-hmm. Are you guys done now? And agree. And I think agree with me more. <laughs> if I was going to sort of improve the situation, I'd want someone a stuck yes. up. They're looking for a stuck out guys. Okay, so send yeah. your send your CVs. Um, send them send send them over, and we'll get back to you asap. Question. Okay. Can Can I apply? No. You won't be considered for the role. Rachel, press the button. (laughs) See you next week, guys. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) 